Welcome to the Fantasy Football CU Podcast. This is Andrew with you. Today, we're going to go over our preview for week six, talk about that Thursday night game between the Chiefs and Broncos, whatever we can about that game, and we're going to get you prepared for week six of your fantasy season. But first, as we always have to do, let's start with the Word of God. Today, we're going to read in Corinthians Um, the second book of Corinthians. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. And this is what it says. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And that unseen is Christ, his faithfulness, his love, and our salvation in Christ, the Spirit of God. That is unseen. That is eternal. Things of this world, they're just temporary. They will fall away. They'll crinkle up like dust. They're going to go back to the earth, just like our bodies. But God is eternal. Our faith in him needs to be eternal. All right, guys, let's go over and start with that game on Thursday. Wasn't very pretty. Wasn't very fun. But you still got a little bit of fantasy output in that. Um, the main thing with the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, he's not the Patrick Mahomes. You used a top two round, top three round pick to draft him as your quarterback one. You hoped that he would be the best quarterback in the league like he has been for most of his career. But this year it just hasn't happened. It hasn't been that. He's barely cracking the top ten, honestly. I think he's around eight or nine depending on your scoring format. And he just hasn't been able to get the ball in the end zone. He's moving it up and down, and the Chiefs just don't quite turn it into six points. But he's still Patrick Mahomes. He's still the best quarterback in the league. And I I think you can trust that things will get better once they get into a rhythm. But other than him, Rasheed Rice, he's the guy that you need to have on your roster as far as pass catchers, not named Kelsey. The rest of those receivers are okay. They do what they can. But they don't really show much other than Rice. He has shown that he can be the guy going forward. And I would just encourage everyone who doesn't have them on their rosters already, if he's a free agent, if he's in waivers, pick him up immediately. And then for the Broncos, I think this is not their year. And it might be they might be doing that on purpose. They might be trying to move on from Wilson in the offseason, go grab a quarterback in the draft so Sean Payton can... Know, develop him be his guy because he just kind of inherited Wilson and um, they're already talking about trading away some players they might be in the seller's market toward the end of this um, next couple of weeks before the trade deadline so if you have Court and Sutton or Jerry Duty Jerry Judy you might be a little cautious that they could be starting to trade them to a different team could be good for them could be bad for them and if you're Looking to grab in someone, I think Marvin Mims might be someone to look at stashing for the future in case they are sellers and do trade those receivers. But that's enough of that kind of game. Russell Wilson played awful, and I don't know about him going forward. But let's go into the Sunday slate. Let's start with the London game. Ravens and Titans. Storylines that we're looking at here for the Ravens is can these pass catchers actually catch the ball last week they had like seven or eight drops and 
Because of that, Lamar Jackson didn't have that great of a game. His receivers need to get healthy. Odell's been banged up. And if he's fully healthy, he might be finally. Maybe he can do something. But they just haven't looked great. Say Flowers has done as much as he can. Mark Andrews is still one of the best tight ends. But unless they get things that get get things going, Lamar Jackson's going to have to run for his life and just pick up yards on the ground like he's good at doing. So that's what I'm looking at there. Can those receivers actually make an impact? And for the Titans, what I'm looking at here is Tajay Spears and Derrick Henry. They've been splitting carries a lot this year. I think that's going to continue. And if the Titans continue to lose, which I think they're going to probably lose this week. The Ravens are a better overall team. If by the trade deadline they're like, I don't know, two and five, one and six, well, it can't be one and six. They've already had two wins. But if they're two and five or three and four and their season looks like eh, not our year, they might be sellers as well. They might be trying to move Derrick Henry with this big contract and Tajay Spears could be the guy. There's no rumors about that yet. I'm not saying any, any speculation that I'm hearing these, these thoughts and these talks behind the scenes. I'm just looking at it logically. It could, it could be... They trade Derrick Henry, and it's the Tajay Spear show. And then the next game we have is the Commanders and Falcons. For the Commanders, what I'm looking at here is, what is this offense? They threw the ball 55 times last week, and Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson barely got any targets. They targeted everybody else. That's not how they're going to win games. Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson are their best offensive players, and they need the ball. Are they going to target them? Or is Jahan Dotson droppable and Terry McLaurin just a bench player that you hope for something in the future? I'm hoping for the best, but I'm kind of leaning toward the other way, that this could be what they're going to do, and Jahan Dotson might not be playable, and Terry McLaurin might just be a bi-week fill-in at best. It's awful to say, but that's what I'm afraid of. And for the Falcons, Desmond Ritter actually played well last week, and he could do it again this week. The commander's defense looked horrible against the Bears last week, and the Falcons might be able to move the ball really well, and Desmond Ritter, he might he might throw the ball to Drake London, to Kyle Pitts, and they could be usable this week. I'd still be cautious if you have someone better in place that can you can play above them. I would. But if you don't have any other choices, you should feel okay that this could be another pretty good week for Kyle Pitts and for Drake London. And then the next game we have is the Vikings and Bears. So for the Vikings, this is pretty straightforward. How real is Jordan Addison? Horrible news that Justin Jefferson got hurt. He's going to be sidelined for four weeks, but it doesn't sound like it's a it's a um, season-threatening injury. It seems like they're being extra cautious with him because he's already moving well in the locker room, which is a good sign. But now it's Jordan Addison, KJ Osborne. Who's going to step up? I think it's going to be Addison, but we'll see if he has that in him, if he has that wide receiver one in him. And for the Bears, the storyline I'm looking at here. Their running backs are just decimated. So it's going to be the Dante Foreman show. You can pick him up and you can start him this week as a RB2 flex kind of a player because Vikings run defense is fairly suspect. The Bears can run on him 
and their offense has been moving the ball fairly well. You can move the ball against the Vikings. So Dante Foreman might get in the red zone, might score a touchdown in this game. So if he's available, pick him up. You can insert him in your lineup and feel okay about that because the rest of the running backs are going to miss this game. Next game we have is the Seahawks and the Bengals. For the Seahawks, what I'm looking at here is this offense has been okay, but the receivers haven't really been getting a lot of love. It's been more of a balanced offense. DK's gotten a little bit of looks. Ty Lock had one game. I'm hoping he can kind of do something this game because it's been kind of more of a run focus as far as touchdowns go. Um, Ken Walker III's looked great. If you drafted him in the fifth round, you got a steal so far. And Charbonnet's looked okay. He hasn't quite got the run that maybe we were expecting. Maybe We thought maybe it would be a, more of a split. But it's been the Ken Walker show. Other than lately, Charbonnet has been getting on the field more, more and more snaps he's played. So he could be a thing in the future, and especially if Ken Walker goes down for an injury. And then for the Bengals, they looked good last week. Joe Burrow finally looked like Joe Burrow. And the Seahawks defense doesn't really scare you, so to speak. So you should feel very confident that Jamar Chase is going to be Jamar Chase again. And T. Higgins looks like he's going to play. If he plays, put him in your lineup. He should be fine. He should be good to go against the Seahawks secondary. That's fine, but not, you know, studs, not the Legion of Boom like they used to be. And then the next game, this is going to be a kind of an ugly game. We got the 49ers and the Browns. First off, the weather here sounds like it's going to be very windy, very yucky. So the overall pass game for both teams might be a little bit down. For the 49ers, if they're healthy, they're going to spread the ball around. You don't really know which pass catcher is going to have a day. Last week, Kyle, I mean, George Kittle had three catches for three touchdowns. He was great. And the rest of their pass catchers, Debo and Ayuk, they were fine. But it was the George Kittle show. This week, it could be Debo Samuel gets those three touchdowns. Or it could be Ayuk gets th those three touchdowns. What I would anticipate is it's going to be the McCaffrey show this week because, again, weather's going to be bad. Um, I feel like they're going to be up and be able to move the ball fairly well. I know the Browns defense is awesome. It's one of the best defenses in the league. But I don't think the Browns are going to score many points, and we'll get to them. So I feel like it's going to be the McCaffrey show this week. And for the Browns, Sean Watson's out. It's not going to be DTR. It's going to be PJ Walker. And he hasn't really practiced with them much. So I don't expect and anticipate a whole lot from this offense overall. The Niners defense is one of the top defenses in the league. I think they're going to feast. In fact, I put it, the 49ers defense in my DFS lineup. And I would say that that's a good, that's a good decision to make with most lineups this week because I feel like the Browns are going to get they're going to get maybe, they might just put up three or six points. This, this could get ugly and ugly fast. And next, we have the Panthers and Dolphins. For the Panthers, it looks like that it's going to be Chuba Hubbard in the backfield, and he's pretty good. I kind of think he's better than Miles Sanders overall this year. So if you're able to get Chuba Hubbard, put him in your lineup. You should feel okay. And 
other than that, it's just Adam Thielen. That's all I'm looking at there. And for the Dolphins, the main storyline there is their running backs are hurt. They're tinged up. It's going to be Roheem Mostert. If you were like me and like I was saying on social media, he's one of the sleepers I'm looking at because you can pick him up late. He's been fantastic. He's a top three running back so far. And I think this week he could end up as RB1 for the week because it's going to be him and um, Ahmed, I believe. And Panthers, they're one of the worst teams in the league this year. Dolphins are going to be a big, be a big early, and they're just going to run down their throats. Mostert could get a couple touchdowns. Ahmed might get one or two. And they're just going to stick to the ground game most, mostly in the second half because they'll probably have a three-touchdown lead by halftime. Next up, we have the Colts and Jaguars. For the Colts, it's Gardner Minshew show. Um, Anthony Richardson's dinged up. He's hurt. He's going to miss this game. And what are we going to see with Jonathan Taylor? He didn't do much last week. I didn't anticipate that. Kind of try to tell everyone that. Don't start him yet. Um, wait till he gets ramped up. And this week, it sounds like he's going to get more touches. But I would still start Zach Moss over him for probably one more week. Next week, we could be um, feeling a different way about that. And for the Jaguars, I think Trevor Lawrence is going to get back to being Trevor Lawrence with a capital L, capital Lawrence on that. He has been okay so far this year. He's had some bad fumbles. Um, the offense hasn't been really in rhythm, but I think this is the week. I think this is the week that Trevor Lawrence really gets going. Again, put him in my, put him in my DFS lineups this week because I believe he's going to be in the top 10, maybe even top 6. Um, I put my money where my mouth is, so to speak. And then next we have the Saints against the Texans. For the Saints, what's going on with Chris Olave? They're not really feeding him as much as we thought um, going into this year. Derek Carr's kind of spreading the ball around. They're sticking to the ground. Kamara's getting a lot of work. If you picked him up late in your draft, you're loving that. But I'm kind of concerned a little bit about Olave. He should be able to get targets this game. Texans defense is good, but they're missing Stingley Jr. still, I think. So they can be thrown against, and hopefully this is the week Olave finally gets going. But if it's not this week, I'm going to have concerns. Um, I don't even think he's a buy low at this moment. I, I don't know if this is legit. We'll have to see. I need to see it first before I can believe it's going to be back to what we thought at the beginning of the year. And for the Texans, Tank Dell's out. So this is going to be the Nico Collins show. I think he's going to get a lot of looks, a lot of targets, a lot of catches, and a lot of yards. St. Stephens is good, but C.J. Stroud is better. I believe in C.J. Stroud. And I think Nico Collins is going to get the ball early and often. Dalton Schultz will get some targets as well. And Damian Pierce probably will kind of be kept in check because the Saints defense is just so good, especially up front. The next we have the Patriots and Raiders. For the Patriots, I don't know what's going on with that offense. I thought it'd be better than it looked so far this year, but it's kind of looked worse than last year, honestly. Ramondre Stevenson I have concerns for. Not only is he running the ball very poorly, He's not getting targets, and that's what he—that's what his claim to fame was last year. This year, it's just not happening, and even Zeke's not really looking that great. That whole offense is just awful so far. 
But against the Raiders, that defense doesn't scare you. So hopefully this could be the week where they get a rhythm going. They're able to move the ball, and you can have faith in that team again. But right now, it's just gross overall. And for the Raiders, Jacoby Myers has actually been getting um, more targets than Devontae Adams. That can't be what's going to happen going forward. But Jimmy G, he's the kind of player that he doesn't take too many chances. He throws it to the players that are open that he can get to easily. And with Devontae Adams getting doubled, sometimes even tripled, Jacoby Myers gets single coverage with second or third string corner. So that may be a thing going forward. But I feel like their coach is going to make sure he gets plays um, dialed up for Devontae Adams as much as they can. But I think Jacoby Myers could be a real thing moving forward. And then next up, we have the Cardinals and the Rams. This one could be a sneaky, high-scoring game. For the Cardinals, James Conner is out, unfortunately. He's on IR. But you kind of expect that when you draft James Conner. He's almost always hurt. So that didn't really come as too much of a surprise. But he's been playing really well. So for their running backs they have, they have Ingram and they have DiMaccardo. And I think it's going to be a 50-50 split, honestly. DiMaccardo was a really popular waiver wire ad. I don't know. I don't know if they're going to really lean on him. I think it's going to be a 50-50 split. And they're both kind of flex possible plays. And then for the Rams, just, you know, praise the Lord. What we were hoping for happened. Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup can thrive together. And if you were able to pick up Puka Nakua off of waivers or maybe even put a dart throw in him in the draft, you should feel very happy because the concern was when Cup comes back, is he going to really be able to thrive? The answer is yes. And, he sh- and they both, honestly, should eat early and often against that Cardinal secondary, which is very suspect. Next up, we have the Eagles and the Jets. This game could be interesting. There's a lot of injuries going on on the defensive side with both of these teams. For the Eagles, Carter's out. Slay's out. So the Jets might be able to move the ball. And for the Jets... Their corners are out. Their number two corners has a concussion still. Reed, he's out. So all they have is Sauce Gardner. Um, The fantasy aspect I'm looking for for the Eagles, this has got to be a Devonta Smith game. It's got to be. If this isn't the game, I might start having an alarm go off, a little bit of concern. My concern meter is going to start going higher. It's already kind of in the middle of the pack right now. A.J. Brown's going to get a lot of Sauce Gardner. Devonta Smith will not have Reed because Reed's out. This should be a Devonta Smith game. I'm speaking into existence, he needs to get off the snide, as it were, and he needs to get the targets. It's been ever since AJ Brown kind of complained against the Minnesota game, they've been giving him the ball all day long. And last week they got Goddard involved. It's gotta be the Devonta Smith show here. And for the Jets, I think Brees Hall is going to have a big game with Carter out. And I think maybe, just maybe, Garrett Wilson might be able to get double-digit targets close to double-digit catches because 
Slay's going to be out. And with Carter out, they won't have as much pass rush against Zach Wilson. Maybe they can get some quick passes, some corner routes, some post routes, something open for Garrett Wilson. Maybe this is the game for that. I'm really trying to speak those both Garrett Wilson and Devonta Smith into existence because one of my most competitive leagues, I drafted both of them early, about a second or third round pick or second and fourth, something like that. And that's not looking too good so far. So I really need them to get going. Next up, we have the Lions and the Buccaneers. This is going to be a sneaky good game. Everyone in everyone in all of all the sports scatters out there thought the Lions were going to be a thing. They looked really good, um, but they haven't really had much competition yet other than a Chiefs team that were missing two of their best players that they barely beat. And for the Buccaneers, they've actually done a lot better than people thought. I'm one of them. I'll raise my hand. I thought the Buccaneers were going to be one of the worst teams. They've gotten it done. They've won some tough, close games, but that's what you got to do in the NFL. And for fantasy aspect for the Lions, Jameer Gibbs is out again. So Dave Montgomery is going to get the ball early and often. He's a must-start. Have him in my DFS lineup again. Um, Sam Laporta might play, but he might not be 100%. Amon Ross A. Brown is finally back. Finally. He's missed a couple games, but he's healthy. And for the Buccaneers, it looks like Mike Evans is healthy. But what I am looking at is their run game. I am a true believer in Rashad White, and I think they can move the ball against the Lions. Lions have a good defense, don't get me wrong, but the Buccaneers also have a pretty good offense. So I'm looking at Rashad White this week for the Buccaneers. And then next up, we have Sunday Night Football. The Bills and the Giants. Yay! So for the Giants, Tyrod Taylor's going to start. Daniel Jones is out. I don't think that really is going to make much of a difference the way the Giants have looked. Barkley should play. Okay, awesome. But the Bills are going to sell out against him. I don't think he's going to do much. You have to start Barkley. But lower expectations, probably same for Waller. You kind of have to start him, but I don't know. I wouldn't feel too comfortable. And for the Bills, what I'm looking at here is Gabe Davis has caught a touchdown in like four straight games. Can that continue? They're not going to need to pass the ball much. I think James Cook is going to eat and get a lot of a lot of attempts, even some targets in, out of the backfield. I think this is going to be a James Cook day. But can Gabe Davis continue this three catches for 80 yards and a touchdown like he has been almost every single week, it seems like? Then the last game we have, Monday Night Football, Cowboys and Chargers. This is going to be a good game. For the Cowboys, are they actually going to be, have to pass the ball and be in a game? Because this year, it's been a crazy year. They've either blown teams out because of their defense or they got blown out because they weren't ready. Only game they were actually kind of in the whole time was the Cardinals game, and even that game they lost by two touchdowns. I think this will be a competitive game all the way through. So Dak Prescott will have to throw the ball. They'll have to be balanced. Tony Pollard's going to get a lot of touches. Chargers defense doesn't scare you at all. So I think that Tony Pollard and CeeDee Lamb are going to have really good games this week. And then for the Chargers, Eckler's back. 
That's awesome. You're starting Eckler. But what I'm looking at is their wide receiver two, the splits between Josh Palmer and Quinton Johnston. They had their bye week last week, so Quinton Johnston might have gotten a little bit more practice with the ones, and he might be getting more routes run, maybe even more targets, but for now, I still think Josh Palmer's number two, Johnston's three, but I do think that's going to change in the future because of the pedigree that Johnston has. Well, everyone, that's the preview. Now, let's get real. And today, we're going to go back into relationships. Last week, we talked about the dating aspect of relationships. Today, we're going to talk about the marriage aspect of relationships. So first, I'm going to talk to the men out there. So men, what we're required to do is love our spouse as Christ loved the church. And that is a big responsibility. But it's one that we should gladly accept because God gave us the responsibility to take care of his daughter, to love his daughter, to cherish his daughter, God's daughter. He said, son, I'm giving you my daughter. Take care of her for me. He trusts us with that. And we do not need to take that lightly. We need to love and cherish our wives and sacrifice everything for them as Christ did the church. Don't we, we don't need to just go through the motions. I've done that in the past. I was selfish in two relationships and those did not turn out well. I didn't treat them like the daughter of God they were. Now, thankfully, God gave me another chance and I'm not going to make that mistake again. My wife will tell anyone that I take care of her heart. I make it I make it a, um, I make it a goal of mine. I make it a priority to take care of her heart and make sure that God's daughter is cherished and loved to the best of my ability. Do I make mistakes? Yes. Will I make mistakes? Yes. I know that. My wife knows that. God knows that. But as long as I continue to do my absolute best give her all I have, and then when I do make a mistake, learn from those and move forward, that's all I can do. That's all I can do, and that's all you can do as well, men. And for women, all men really want is to be needed, respected, and just just give thanks and appreciation towards them. So for example, men, us men, we do make a lot of mistakes. That's just, that's a known thing. But when we do, don't put us down. Just say, hey, you know, that wasn't done correctly, but thank you for trying. I appreciate you and I know that you did your best and you'll do better. If you say that to your husband, he is gonna try so much harder, make sure he does it right next time because you appreciated even a mistake. Now, of course, you need to appreciate and respect when he does things right. When he, whenever he goes out and he does the correct thing and he does it for you, he sacrifices things for you, that gives you just the 
perfect opportunity to respect him and be and have him be the head of the household as God intended him. It's a balance out there. We can't have just men requiring that you respect him and then he doesn't give any sacrifice. And on the flip side, men can't just sacrifice to, to his wife and his wife just treat him with so much disrespect and as people say, just nag and put him down. He's not gonna wanna continue to do that. Not gonna wanna continue to be sacrificial. It needs to be perfect balance. So that's what we need to do in our marriages. Be balanced with sacrificing for men, respecting and appreciation for women towards your, towards your husband, and just do your best to cherish what God has given you. God gave you his son, wives, his son. You need to, you need to honor God in that and do your best. Same with the men, like I said before. We need to take care of God's daughter. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining me in this week's episode. Be sure to check out our website, fantasyfootballcu.com. Lots of training videos to help you out, to help you guys out in playing fantasy football. Even if you're, even if you're new or if you're not, lots of information that can help you during the year. And we have a community we would love you to join, where we have weekly webinars where we answer any questions you need and just hang out with one another and try to um, just fellowship and do our best in this fantasy fantasy season. Thank you guys so much. God bless you. We will see you next week.